Research Methods. Hello and welcome to the Research Methods podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Eugene Bogristov. Hello and welcome to our next episode on the bias in research. Today we talk about the non-response bias, which actually is not really the bias on the side of a researcher, but it can happen that exactly the design of the questionnaire or the way a researcher tries to address his or her sample has impact on the non-response bias. What is the non-response bias? Imagine that you developed your questionnaire or you developed your online experiment and you would like to send this link to those people whom you would like to include into your sample. So you have a population of people and then you defined what kind of sample is representative for this population. Let's assume you look at your population and they are to the half male, to the half female, they are of different age groups, of different incomes, and you try to find a sample containing the same characteristics like gender distribution, income distribution, and age distribution. And then you send your link to those people, but if you send a link, it doesn't mean that they will respond to your questionnaire. It can happen that they decide not to respond. And if there is a system, if it is a systemic bias by those who decide not to respond, then it will be a problem for the whole your research because at the end you will receive results which will be highly skewed or highly biased. I can give you some examples of how could it happen and why could it be the case. Imagine you would like to send a questionnaire about the home office and you send it to different people whom you pre-selected but not all of them are in home office. Those who are not in home office may think that they don't have to work in home office, that is why they don't have to answer the questions, and they will give you no feedback. And only those who are in home office will. But those who are not in the home office at the moment or for the last month, it can happen that they will be or they used to work in home office. And in this event, there might be important information which has impact on why home office works or why home office doesn't work because exactly those who don't have home office now they may have learned that it is not as efficient or not as effective as it is assumed to be or vice versa it could happen that the, the workload was too high in home office that is why people decided by the first opportunity to get back to the real office the next option is imagine that you send a questionnaire and you receive answers only from those who have time. So those who are the workers who have to work a lot and then they come home, they have no time, they are tired, they will not respond to your questionnaire. And if, you, if your questionnaire is related to work, working conditions or performance, then exactly the top performer will not respond to your questionnaire and only those who have time will respond. Maybe those whose workload is not high, or those who use the time to, I don't know, use the home office time for something private. So there may be a systemic bias each time you send a question to somebody. And we even had a good joke that an online questionnaire in Austria showed that all Austrians have internet. So you see already that if you send an online link to those people who have internet, they automatically answer that they have internet and you cannot reach with an online link those who have no internet. And with this small joke, I would like to draw your attention to another aspect. 
that sometimes the links you send to people they land in spam and most financial institutions for example banks especially in germany they do not allow to click any external links which come from unknown email addresses in this event if you make a study on the financial institutions it can happen that all fintechs and all the younger firms the startups they will respond and big banks they will not respond to your questionnaire which will create also a skewed picture because you will see that part of your sample is not represented and thus the part of your population is not represented there is of course a good question what can you do against the non-response bias and how can you find out that you have one if you want to fight against it, you have to be very clever when you develop your questionnaire. Think about how you're going to deliver the questionnaire, who is going to read it, will they have time to do it or not, find the right time to send your questionnaire. And if it is a questionnaire for those who work, then probably you should send it at the end of the working day or you should send it in the evening when they probably will have time. Also, think about what kind of questions you ask, because if you start demographics question where you immediately ask about the income of the participant, then many will just skip the whole questionnaire because they don't like to tell uh, about the financial status right at the beginning of the questionnaire. So all those critical questions, you can put them at the end of the questionnaire, especially if they are not of the main importance, if they are not your independent or your dependent variables, and they are just the control variables. So put them always at the end of the questionnaire. The next thing, think about the length of your questionnaire. If it takes more than 15 minutes, then maybe you will not even start doing it. Maybe you will just stop conducting the questionnaire somewhere in the middle and you will have something like a non-response bias. And think about the reminders. You can remind people if they forget it, it can happen. It is just a coincidence. They received the link, had no time immediately. They thought that maybe they would do it later, but later they forgot about it. That is why you make a reminder. And this is actually where we can address the testing for non-response bias. If you have this reminder, so you have the second and third wave, maybe even the fourth wave of data collection, then it is a good idea to test the first wave against the last wave of your data collection, because the last wave are a kind of non-respondents. They didn't want to respond in the first, in the second wave, maybe even in the third one, and then responded later. And if you compare these groups with regard to your results and see that there are some systematic differences, then maybe a non-response bias really took place because there are also the other groups who did not respond even after third or fourth reminder. The next way to find out whether you had a systematic bias in your data is to look at the characteristics of your population, for example, the demographics, the age distribution, the gender distribution, and compare those with your sample. Remember, we decided that we address a population using a sample where we try to address the same number of male and female as in the population. If in the final data you see that female participants or male participants are overrepresented or underrepresented, then it can happen that it is the first indicator that something didn't went well or didn't went as you expected it to go. And in this event, you know that it can be the reason that there is a systematic bias caused by the non-response bias, because one gender group or one age group or one industry group did not respond, although you know that you sent emails to them. The Next thing which comes to my mind is you can look at different data, especially demographics, and see whether you have some ceiling effects or whether you have some 
floor effects that something is too high or too low. Let's imagine that one of your demographic questions was about the income and you had different groups of income, let's say those who earn 40,000 euro a year, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 and more. And if all of a sudden you see that you're overrepresented by participants who earn about 40 to 50,000 euros a year, then you know that probably there is a high skew and those who are richer, maybe those who had more work, maybe those who have less time, they didn't respond to your survey. This would be also an indicator that there is an issue. Finally, there is also a good way, if you have this opportunity to find out whether you have the non-response bias, is to call those who didn't respond. In our events, once we did a research, we had a big list of firms, we sent a questionnaire and we received about, I think, about 10% of answers. And it is more than okay. Usually you take into account 3 to 5% of answers if it is a cold call, if you just send an email to somebody who doesn't know you. But we also had a phone, uh, phone numbers and a colleague of mine in his research, he asked a student to call different firms and ask them to answer or ask them why they have not responded to his questionnaire hitherto. And in this way, he, apart from increasing the sample size by an additional motivation of the potential participants to participate in the questionnaire, he also found out what were the main reasons of not participating in the questionnaire. And he also, as far as I know, included this in his dissertation as an explanation with regard to the non-response bias. I think it is more or less all I would like to tell about this bias and how you can cure it or how you can find out that it was present or not present. The only thing I can mention, the only thing I can add is uh, if you have your data, you can also look at the missing values. And if you see that the construct, which should have been answered by those from the financial industry or by the financial industry, it should have been answered differently as you assumed based on a theory and you see it is different, could be an indication that you have the non-response bias. In your demographics, it could be an indication if you have a lot of missing values, people who don't want to respond to something, it should scare you because it can happen that the design of your questionnaire is the one thing which makes people not willing to respond to your questionnaire. I hope it was helpful, wish you good luck with your research, think about the non-response bias, it is one of the most important biases in research, and unfortunately there are, as you have seen, only some weak tests which help us approximate the truth, but we will never know, because we don't know things we don't know. All the best to you, good luck, and bye-bye.